Hey, it's Steph, and welcome to the Straight Up with Steph podcast, where we have real discussions around health and life and just trying to be better at both. Hello, hello. Welcome back for another episode of Straight Up with Steph. I'm Steph, your host, practicing dental hygienist and ergonomic specialist. So today we're talking all about our hands and our wrists, and more specifically, the pain we feel in our hand and in our wrists. I don't care what position you have in the office, whether it be front office, office manager, or you're working in the back, maybe you're a dentist, hygienist, assistant, specialist, just think of how much we're using our hands. We are constantly gripping things, we're grabbing onto things, picking up the phone, typing into the keyboard, holding our mirrors, our instruments, our suction, our hand pieces. If anything were to happen to our hands, it would be full stop, we're done. Like there's no way that we can practice if our hands are messed up. And unfortunately, in dentistry, we are at risk for things like carpal tunnel and tendonitis because of our job, because we are using our hands so much. But really, it can be traced back. A lot of times, it can be traced back to this one nasty habit that a lot of us have. And we're doing it hundreds, if not more times a day. Today, we're going to talk about the top two most common MSDs in our hand and in our wrists in dentistry. We'll also talk about how this little nasty habit can really be the root cause of all of it. And towards the end, I'm going to give you a couple of my favorite hand and wrist and forearm micro breaks that can help you while you're working. These micro breaks, if you've heard me talk on social media, I talk about these a lot. These are really important for us to do considering how much we're using our body in dentistry. We have got to give ourselves a little break. So I'll talk about that towards the end. And please know that pain in our hand and in our wrist, it could be from other things. For example, if someone is pregnant or who has diabetes or is obese, they have a higher risk of getting carpal tunnel syndrome. Or maybe we have an old sports injury that's coming back to haunt us after all these years. It's not uncommon for people to have symptoms in their hand and in their wrist, but the issue actually isn't even there. It's up in their shoulder or in their neck. While you're listening today, just remember that there are other reasons that you could be experiencing pain in your hand or in your wrist. But what I'm talking about today is really how we tend to work in the operatory, how we tend to overuse things, how we're doing this habit a million times a day and what we can do to prevent it. And I'm not here to diagnose any medical conditions. I get approached almost daily from people who have pain in whatever area of their body and they want to know what it is. I am not the person to diagnose that. I'm not a physical therapist. I'm not an MD. I'm not a chiropractor. So if you have any of those issues, I strongly encourage you to go to a medical professional like that who can properly diagnose you. I myself had a wrist injury, and this happened a long time ago, back when I was a new grad. My very first job out of dental hygiene school, I developed a ganglion cyst. And if you don't know what that is, it's benign, it's not cancerous, but it's annoying and it's ugly. And it was a big bump on my non-dominant hand top of my wrist. I'm right-handed, so it was on my left wrist. And it was something that it was an annoyance, but it wasn't something that really affected my life all too much. Like it would kind of pop up, I would massage it down, it would go away, and then it would be gone for a couple months, and then it would come back and I'd have to do it. But it wasn't anything really that I was considering doing anything about. Flash forward 10 years, and this thing was huge, it was really ugly, and it wasn't going away anymore. It hurt. My wrist would hurt by itself, which it never did that before. And I was starting to not be able to do things like I couldn't do pushups at the gym because I couldn't handle that pressure on my wrist. Something at work that I really noticed was my grip strength 
in my non-dominant hand. I wasn't able to hold the suction. I was dropping the suction. I was dropping the mirror. I just couldn't hold on to things as tightly. And I would get really tired and fatigued. So I ended up getting it taken out. And this thing was huge. Like, I wish I could show you a picture of it right now. I was one of those annoying patients, probably annoying to them, that asked, like, can I see it? Can I have it? Can I look at it? And so they took a picture of it and showed it to me. And it was so huge. It's amazing to me every time I look at that photo. I do actually show that picture in, in the lectures that I do. But that was my body's reaction of me not working ergonomically. And I did not know now or I didn't know then what I know now. If I had, I likely would have watched my habits, been aware of what I was doing, and potentially avoided a surgery. But now that I know a little bit about these things, I am convinced it was because I was doing this nasty habit that I'm about to tell you about. This habit I'm talking about is our grip and is our pinch force. If you hear of grip force or pinch force, that is how tightly we have to hold on to something and manipulate it. So just think of when you're grabbing your suction or your air water or even holding onto your mirror. A lot of us have a death grip. It's a nasty little habit, but a lot of us do it. We do not need to be holding on to things with a kung fu grip, okay? We can have a light grip and still be able to do what we need. If you feel like maybe you've got a death grip or you experience pain in your wrist, hand, forearm, elbow, shoulder, neck at the end of the day, or even at the end of a long procedure, Definitely want to listen to this episode. First off, let's talk about these two most common MSDs that we face in dentistry. First one is carpal tunnel syndrome. This is still the number one MSD amongst dental hygienists, unfortunately. And a lot of times it's because we're repetitively doing something incorrectly. We're using our hand in an awkward way over time and it starts to affect the wrist. But there's some confusion sometimes between carpal tunnel syndrome and wrist tendonitis. So I'm going to explain the differences. The main culprit in carpal tunnel syndrome is the median nerve. So we have a nerve that starts in our neck, goes down through our shoulder, through our arm, through the carpal tunnel in the wrist, and innervates the hand. This carpal tunnel passageway here in our wrist, in between, if you're not watching this on YouTube, I'm just holding my hand up. We've got our arm and then we've got our hand. And these vessels and nerves need to pass through this tiny little tunnel to innervate our hand. Any kind of excess of pressure in that carpal tunnel or even irritation time after time with the carpal tunnel or even just irritation of that nerve by constantly like bending and flexing our wrists over time or holding on to something way too tightly it can start to damage that median nerve. And the median nerve, when it passes through that carpal tunnel and innervates our hand, it innervates our thumb, our first two fingers, and half of our ring finger. So this is where people start to experience pain in those areas. They could have pins and needles, numbness. They could have localized swelling, but that's because the median nerve is affected. And this is where it separates carpal tunnel from tendonitis. If you have those pins and needles or pain or swelling in those localized areas, it's likely because that median nerve is being irritated. And the consequences of not treating carpal tunnel could lead to permanent numbness in these areas if that nerve isn't corrected, which is kind of scary. Tendonitis doesn't have those kinds of drastic consequences. I mean, it can hurt and it can affect your quality of life, but it's not going to actually damage the nerve like it does with carpal tunnel. I have had people, numerous people actually tell me that they have had issues with their wrists. They've gotten diagnosed with carpal tunnel. They've had the surgery. They've gone through the PT and they still have the symptoms. 
That's because the issue wasn't actually in their wrist. That's where they were feeling the pain, but the issue was up higher in their shoulder or in their neck. That median nerve has to travel a long way to get down to our hand, and it can be affected up here in the shoulder or even in the neck, but cause symptoms in the wrist. So I always tell people if they're experiencing symptoms in their hands, yes, obviously get your hands and your wrist checked out, but make sure they're looking at your shoulder and your neck because you don't want to have a surgery that isn't going to do anything, right? And then potentially need another surgery to fix the actual problem in the shoulder or the neck. So just make sure all your bases are covered. And with carpal tunnel, sometimes people experience worsening symptoms when they're laying down to sleep. And if you think about it, a lot of us sleep all curled up, right? And if you're, if you aren't watching this, I'm kind of curling my wrists up under my chin like a baby. A lot of us sleep like that. That causes a lot of pressure and irritation in this carpal tunnel, which could affect that median nerve. Or they notice it when they're driving because their wrist typically is in an awkward position and they're gripping that steering wheel like it's the last thing they're ever going to hold. And they're driving that way. And that, again, can cause irritation of the median nerve. When we're talking about tendinitis, tendinitis isn't concerned with the nerves. It is localized inflammation of that affected tendon, whatever it is. And the consequences of not treating it is just more pain. And I'm not minimizing that because pain is a big deal, but it's not going to cause this permanent nerve damage like carpal tunnel can. The symptoms between the two can be similar. With tendonitis, the pain is typically along the affected tendon, wherever that is, whether it be your wrist or even in your elbow. Some people can have some localized swelling in that area. But because it's not affecting a nerve, a big nerve like carpal tunnel is, People who have wrist tendonitis typically don't have the numbness, the weakness, the pins and needles, especially in those like first three fingers. Another difference between carpal tunnel and tendonitis is more than half the time, carpal tunnel affects both wrists in someone, not just one. Tendonitis typically is just one wrist. But going back to carpal tunnel, it just makes you wonder, like, why would it affect both the wrists? It's probably not a coincidence, right? That would be a hell of a coincidence. It could be because something up higher on the nerve, maybe up in the neck, is affecting how both of those nerves are way up here. So it could be a neck issue. And once I start talking about grip, excessive grip, and pinch force, I'll explain why that can lead to some of these symptoms of carpal tunnel and tendonitis in the wrist. Let's talk about what is grip force and what is pinch force. Whenever we're holding on to something, whatever that is, we need to exert a certain amount of pressure or force to hold on to that thing without dropping it. We need to have a certain amount of it to hold on to the thing. But a lot of us just have way too much. We're just gripping it way too tightly. We've got a death grip. When we're grabbing our air water, we're typically squeezing it as hard as we can. Our suction, we're holding it as hard as we can. Or our handpiece or our instruments. We really don't need to be doing that. An excessive pinch force is the amount needed to hold on to smaller things like our mirror or our scaler or our handpiece because we have to exert a certain amount of force to hold on to that thing and keep it stable. But again, with our instruments or our handpieces or our mirrors, we're just squeezing the hell out of that thing and we really don't need to be doing that. But what happens when we're holding on to something way too tightly is it not only strains the little muscles, all of these muscles in our hand but it affects our forearm muscles as well. Because the tighter we're holding on to something, these forearm muscles need to contract. They need to, this all works together. So it's not just this, your hand that's being overworked, it's your forearm muscles. The longer these forearm muscles are contracted, they start to get really short and really tight. So they're shortening up 
And if you're not on YouTube, you might want to check this out later so you can kind of see what I'm doing. It just makes more sense. But these forearm muscles start to shorten and get really tight. And then what happens is they start to pull on the tendons and ligaments in your wrist and in your elbow. And that's when people start to experience things like wrist tendonitis or tennis elbow. And although it might feel like they have those things, and maybe they do have some inflammation of the tendon, it's starting here with these forearm muscles because they're just too damn tight because we're holding on to things way too tightly. When you are holding on to whatever it is, just try to keep it in mind a light grip. You want as light a grip as possible without dropping whatever it is. And this is when I'm like, okay, it is stupid simple, but start trying to be mindful of this in the operatory and it's not that easy because we've got a million different things on our mind. When you're grabbing your handpiece, when you're grabbing your polisher, when you're holding on to your power scaler, holding onto your mirror. You want to have as light a grip as possible without dropping it. If you have been doing a long procedure, like if you're a dentist and you've done a long uh, full arch prep or a hygienist who's been doing a lot of hand scaling, we are overworking our hand and our wrist. And that's kind of the nature of the beast. We can't really get around that. But what we can do to relax these muscles and release the pressure in the wrist is these micro breaks, which I'm going to talk about at the end. But these are huge for us. I would love it if I could tell you just do A, B, and C, and you're not going to be at risk for anything in dentistry ever again. Like that's not the case. Our jobs are very fine-tuned. We're focused on something very small and our jobs are highly repetitive. There are certain things that we cannot get around in the operatory, but what we can do is start doing these micro breaks. So I'll talk about that later. Let's talk about ergonomic instruments. There are so many instruments out there, like it's really hard to know what an ergonomic one is, but I'm gonna tell you, it's the handle. You want the handle to be nice and wide and fat and textured. If you think back in the day, we used to have really skinny handles. You still see this sometimes with mirrors, which I'm gonna talk about in a minute. But with our instruments, they used to be really um, smooth, metal, and really skinny. We have to exert a lot more pinch force on something that is heavier, on something that is smooth, and something that is thin because we have to hold on to it. If you think about writing with a pen, I would much rather write with a nice fat pen than a skinny pen. If I'm writing with a dinky little skinny pen, I can feel the fatigue already starting in my hand. And that's because of the, all of the pinch force I need to do to hold on to that pen. And then I switch to a nice fat pen and it just feels a lot better in my hand and I'm not having to work as hard. It's the exact same with our instruments. I do a lot of assessments for dentists and dental assistants and dental hygienists. And I haven't seen once, I don't think, no, not once, when they're using a skinny handled scaler or a skinny handled uh, composite instrument. They're all nice and fat and ergonomic, which is great. But what do I notice almost every time is they are using those skinny metal mirror handles. I do not understand it. If you think about our non-dominant hand, it doesn't seem like it's under as much strain as our dominant one, but it's under even more strain. If you think about what our body is meant to do, we're meant to move, okay? We're meant to be moving around, like our muscles contracting and relaxing, blood flow going. That's why dentistry is so hard for us because we're locked in these really like awkward positions and we don't move. So our dominant hand, while it is doing a lot, it's moving. It's, you know, we're like scaling or we're filling teeth or we're reaching, grabbing things, it's moving. What is our non-dominant hand doing? 
Most of the time, it's retracting, like a really strong cheek or a strong tongue. We're using it for indirect vision. But a lot of times, our hand is out in chicken wing, and we're pulling against something, and we're holding on to something really tightly. That's a lot of strain for that non-dominant hand. Why are we still using these skinny metal mirror handles? This is a risk factor for us developing an injury in our non-dominant hand. If you're at an office and you have some of those skinny metal mirror handles laying around, just get rid of them and invest in some nice, fat, light, textured mirror handles. If you have any questions on what brands you should go with, please enter it in the comments on YouTube or send me a DM and I'm happy to share some brands with you. Another thing I want to mention is the importance of using some kind of suction device. I see with hygienists, most often they are using their power scaler. They've got that in one hand, they've got their suction in the other hand, and they're retracting, trying to provide suction for their patient. This is a problem because that non-dominant hand is holding onto the suction, typically with a death grip, trying to retract a really strong cheek or strong tongue and trying to give their patient suction. And the non-dominant hand typically is out in chicken wing. That is a lot of strain on that non-dominant hand. And it's just hanging there for like minutes. And that adds up to hours at the end of the day. But the problem with this is the clinician cannot use their mirror. And we need our mirror to provide us with indirect vision so we can have better posture. Sure, there's some teeth that we can see with direct vision just fine. But if you're trying to work on like the distal angle of number 14 without your mirror, I mean, you're going to be upside down. It's a nightmare. Ever since COVID, there are so many different suction devices out there. There's some that plug onto your HVE. There's some that go onto the saliva ejector. Some control aerosols, some don't. There's all kinds of options that we shouldn't be not using one. Whatever suction device you use, just make sure it's hands-free. You can plug into the patient's mouth. It frees up your non-dominant hand so you can use your mirror with a light grip. This goes for dentists and assistants too. So I don't know where you're at, but where I am in Colorado is there is a shortage of help for dental offices. So a lot of people are working alone. I've seen dentists prepping teeth, holding on to the HVE and drilling on teeth. I've seen assistants trying to work by themselves as well, trying to do sealants by themselves, holding on to the suction. If we use some kind of suction device, that's going to free up our non-dominant hand and really help us. We've talked about the two most common MSDs in dental professionals and that nasty little habit of excessive grip or excessive pinch force that could be causing it and the importance of using ergonomic instruments and suction devices to help protect your hands and your wrists. Now I want to talk about micro breaks. And if you follow me on social media, I do talk about these quite often for good reason. They're really effective. Let me explain why these micro breaks are so important, especially when we're talking about grip or pinch force. If I'm holding on to something, say my handpiece or my scalers really tightly, remember I said earlier, these forearm muscles are constantly contracted. When we have muscles that are constantly contracted, you have pressure that's building up on the inside of that muscle and it cuts off blood flow. And we all know that blood carries oxygen and nutrients. It removes waste products, right? So I've got a group of muscles that's working overtime and it's not getting the nutrition that they need. They will start to fail. They're going to start to hurt, to feel fatigue. And eventually, you're going to start to experience loss of that grip strength or that pinch force. What these micro breaks do is they feel great because it's a stretch, but you're holding the stretch for about 20 seconds. When I'm doing assessments, clinicians are stretching, which is great, but typically it's like a couple seconds here, literally a second there, and then they get back to work. These micro breaks here are holding that stretch for at least 20 seconds. This allows that pressure to reduce on the inside of the muscle and blood can flow back in and start healing some of that damage. 
but you have to hold it for 20 seconds. My favorite one for the wrists and the forearms. Here's my favorite one for the wrists and the forearms. All you're going to do is punch your arm out in front of you, make a fist, and then you're going to rotate that fist down towards the ground. Depending how tight you are, that might be all you need. You should feel a nice stretch along the top of your forearm. If you want a deeper stretch, you're just going to take your other hand, grab onto that fist, and then pull it down a little bit more. And remember to hold it for 20 seconds. It also helps to take some deep breaths in through your nose as you're holding that stretch. It's going to allow more oxygen to get into the muscle, plus it just calms you down. That was for the top of the forearm. Now we're going to do the inside. So you're going to flip your hand over like you're asking someone for money. Rotate that palm down towards the ground. And again, this might be all you need. If you want more of a stretch, grab your palm with your hand and then pull that back towards you. And again, you're holding it for 20 seconds. This is a really important micro break to do if you're a hygienist and you've been doing a long SRP with a lot of hand scaling. If you're an assistant or a doc and the assistant's been holding the suction for God knows how long, or the dentist has been holding onto the handpiece for a long time, really important to stop and just take a few seconds and do those micro breaks. These have been shown to reduce MSDs and reduce the risk of injury for us when done correctly. I also have a bunch of other micro breaks that I recommend on my Instagram highlights, which I'll link down below. That's all I have for you today on excessive grip and pinch force and ways to take care of our wrists and in our hands. Next time you're in the operatory, please monitor how tightly you're gripping things. Remember, you want as light a grip as possible without dropping it. If you're finding this content helpful, please subscribe to my YouTube channel, follow my show, leave me a review, send me a DM with ideas. I really appreciate you being here and I'll talk to you soon. Thank you for tuning into this episode of Straight Up with Steph and being interested in living better. What many listeners do is subscribe to the podcast because that allows them to automatically get the latest episodes of the show. Remember, you are the best person to take care of you. And by learning what we talk about on this show, you're taking one more step to being a healthier and happier you. I'll talk to you soon. Bye.